Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Hope all of you are having a spectacular morning. Let's dive right into the drama of the Indianapolis Colts Colts coaching decision. Yesterday, after what has been at least a month, where it has just been a foregone conclusion, according to everyone in media circles, the Indianapolis Colts sent out a tweet announcing that they would be introducing Josh McDaniels as their next head coach today. And then, and you had all, but prior, immediately prior to that, you had a lot of different people say, Josh McDaniels is official, he's going to be the next Colts head coach. And then, yesterday evening, suddenly, Josh McDaniels makes a decision not to take the Colts job. And the Colts released a statement trying to explain the mess in there. And here was their official statement. After And, and by the way, this is a rare statement to see where basically the Colts throw Josh McDaniels under the bus. After agreeing to contract terms to become the Indianapolis Colts' new head coach, New England Patriots assistant coach Josh McDaniels this evening informed us that he would not be joining our team. Although we are surprised and disappointed, we will resume our head coaching search immediately and find the right fit to lead our team and organization on and off the field. The scheduled press conference at Lucas Oil Stadium will not take place tomorrow. More information will be forthcoming. Um, And so the Colts are back in to begin anew their coaching search. Now, the challenge for the Colts is pretty much everybody they interviewed has already accepted jobs in the NFL. I mean, they they interviewed all the top candidates, and just about everybody they talked to in this search has accepted head coaching jobs. 
uh, whether it was with the Cardinals, whether it was with the Titans, whether it was with, you know, across the board, they have all their candidates are effectively gone. And so when I see this news, immediately I I go into the tea leaves here, right, to try to figure out exactly what happened. Now, I'm sure there are many of you out there listening to me right now who have thought you were going to take a job, maybe even accepted a job, and then said, ah, on second thought, well, let me go back to my other original job. And frankly, if you're not sold on the idea of taking a job, it's probably a bad idea to leave the one you have if you're happy where you are. That's always my advice. I've taken a lot of different jobs over the years. I've turned down a lot of jobs over the years. But to me, one of the number one reasons that you should not take a job is if you are incredibly happy with the job that you have and you're not sure you're going to be incredibly happy with the new job offer that you've got in front of you. And I think that's probably what happened with Josh McDaniels. Now, why would he change his mind? I think there are two possible reasons. Number one is I think there has to have been some sort of conversation between Bill Belichick, Bob Kraft, and Josh McDaniels where they effectively said, you're our guy. You're basically a coach in waiting here. We believe that you are the future of the New England Patriots franchise. Instead of trying to go somewhere new, move your family, re-kind of calibrate everything about a job, you are our guy here for the future of the New England Patriots franchise. I think that had to happen. I think beyond a shadow of a doubt that had to happen in order for him to decide to stay. Now, some people out there can say uh, there's no way that happened. I'm sure that the Patriots will sit around and if they're ever asked, they will deny that there was any discussion about that at all. But I think one reason that Josh McDaniels was not necessarily sold on the idea of leaving was a part of him thought that Belichick might retire. And then when it became apparent that Belichick was not going to retire, I think that there was an element here of you will be the next guy to take over the Patriots when I decide to hang up the uh, to hang up the the cutoff uh, cutoff sweatshirt. When Belichick decides to end his coaching career, I think he told Josh McDaniels you're going to be the guy. I also think that Bob Kraft probably enjoyed embarrassing the Indianapolis Colts because they started the entire Deflate Gate crisis. I don't think you can underrate interpersonal relationships and stories such as these. When you are a billionaire like Bob Kraft and you have the opportunity to keep Josh McDaniels in New England by paying him a little bit more money, I think that is just a no-brainer to argue that there wasn't some element of human interpersonal relationships with Bob Kraft being able to embarrass Jim Irsay and the Indianapolis Colts after they had already announced Josh McDaniels. Second, I think there's still uncertainty about how healthy Andrew Luck is going to be. And I think ultimately that had to weigh in on Josh McDaniels as well. If you already were the Denver head coach and you didn't have a great relationship with Jay Cutler and everything fell apart with the Broncos, does it make sense for Josh McDaniels to go to take over the Indianapolis Colts job if Jacoby Brissett may be your starting quarterback again this year? And if there continues to be trepidation, uncertainty, and nervousness about whether or not Andrew Luck is going to be back. I think both of those things working in conjunction 
were substantial in terms of Josh McDaniels deciding to return to New England. Now, he also has a great relationship with Tom Brady. It's possible that he said, you know what, it's a better position for me right now to be the offensive coordinator of a good team than it is to go take over the Colts with an uncertain future with Andrew Luck in a division that is on the upswing. The AFC South's gotten pretty good. If Deshaun Watson can come back healthy from the torn ACL down in Houston, if Jacksonville can get either Blake Bortles to be good Blake or they can find a way to replace him with Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles circling around out there, or maybe if they can draft late in the first round and get a quarterback that they like or trade up, there are lots of different uncertainties, but Jacksonville obviously is a team on the upswing. And then the Titans with a brand new coaching staff that may be able to fit Marcus Mariota into an offense that makes sense, that division looks pretty good. And so Josh McDaniels might have been looking around saying, wait a minute, if I don't have Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett's not going to win this division given the talent that the Colts have right now relative to everybody else. And so I think, like the Colts said, he accepted the job and then made the decision not to take it anymore. Hadn't signed a contract and decided to walk. Now, I think this is an embarrassment for the Colts, but ultimately, there are lots of examples of coaches accepting jobs and then leaving, even though they've already accepted them. Uh, The funniest one, I think, I think it was Dana Altman. Remember when Creighton's coach accepted the Arkansas job and he even showed up at the press conference and called the Hogs to announce that he was going to be the next coach, and then he left. And remember years ago, Jim Herrick, when he was the head coach, I can't remember if he was at, I think he was at Rhode Island, and he decided to go to Georgia, and he actually accepted the job, changed his mind, accepted the job again, changed his mind, and then I think he accepted the job again. I think it went back and forth like five different times before he officially was going to go take the Georgia job. And then he went down to Georgia and he got him on probation because that's what Jim Herrick did. But I think all of those things, and they're probably great examples that you guys can tweet me, and I think Jason Martin's got a few of them too when we come back in the next segment. I'm at Clay Travis on Twitter. You can share with me your favorite accepted a head coaching job and then bailed after accepting that job. And obviously, Indianapolis just goes back to the drawing board and sees who they can find. But those are the two big takeaways to me, I think, in a larger context. And you can make the third takeaway the ongoing feud in some way between Bob Kraft and Jim Ursay. But I think, number one, this has to be Josh McDaniels being told, hey, you can be the guy to take over for Bill Belichick. Now, McDaniels may not still do it, Because when Tom Brady retires, unlike when Jimmy Garoppolo was there, there's no heir apparent. So the Patriots job may not be a very good one when Tom Brady effectively decides to stop playing football. And at the same time, when Bill Belichick decides to retire. So it's still possible that Josh McDaniels could take another job if there's a job with a great quarterback out there that he wants. One thing I wonder about on this level is, Would the Tennessee Titans have taken Josh McDaniels over Mike Vrabel? Or, you know, because obviously John Robinson is the GM of the Titans. Or would they have taken Vrabel regardless if they had known that Josh McDaniels was available? Would Josh McDaniels have infinitely preferred to get the Titans job because of Mariota being there and you've got a healthy quarterback and you know exactly what he can do over the uncertainty from Andrew Luck? We won't know that. But to me, this is not a good sign if you're a Colts fan for what Andrew Luck's health status looks like. Because if Andrew Luck is going to be back healthy, 
and you feel confident in him. He's a young guy who's obviously gone to the AFC title game and proven that he can be an incredible quarterback. If his arm shoulder issues are not fully uh, fully healed, then to me that's a bad sign for the Colts and also a tough situation for them to be hiring a new head coach in. So I think all those things factor in. And I don't think you can underrate Deflategate. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Uh, John Campbell joins us now. Um, That's a pretty crazy story, right, about Josh McDaniels accepting the job and then bailing. Yeah, I think everybody's pretty surprised about that one. Um, When you look at, uh, at what happened in the Super Bowl, you were uh, sending me an email, and you were talking about how much money was bet. Ratings were down, but the betting handle was up, and the betting handle seems to be going up every year. What was the overall uh, betting angle when the Super Bowl came to a close? Was this a good game or a bad game from a Super Bowl perspective for gamblers? It, it was a good game for gamblers. It, it was the worst game for the house since 2008, and the house only made 0.7%, which is not good by Super Bowl standards. The House has only lost money twice in the last 28 years, and they were really, really close to doing that overall in this one. A couple books did make out really poorly. William Hill, U.S., was one that lost multi-millions on it. There were just floods and floods of Eagles money that came in early on. And uh, some of them made some of, some of that money back on the in-game wagering with the Patriots. I think that's something that we really haven't seen in, in a Super Bowl before. But overall, it wasn't a great day for the House. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But the Super Bowl handle, like you said, I think was uh, 158.6 million, the legal one, uh, and it was up by 20 million. So sports gambling just gets more popular every year. We've got the Winter Olympics starting. I don't know how much interest there is in general in the Winter Olympics, but from a gambling perspective, are there any prop bets that are getting any action or any kind of Winter Olympics gambling that's maybe going to drive some interest here? Well, I, there are a lot more odds now with the Olympics, with the Winter Olympics, and, and the odds are a little bit different this year with uh, the controversy with Russia and, and things mixed up there a little bit. Uh, I, hockey, it's often called ice hockey listed in the odds, uh, but hockey is certainly one of the more popular ones, and for the first time in a few Olympics here, Canada is not favored. Uh, the U.S. women are favored in the women's, and the uh, and Russia or the Olympic athletes of Russia are favored on the men's side. So those are the ones that draw the most action. Uh, my favorite to bet is curling, and uh, and you can bet both most medals and things like that uh, over under gold medals, over under uh, all those sorts of things. Okay, let's talk now that football season is effectively over. Um, let's turn the page here for a minute to the NBA and to college basketball. I always say that I'm a season guy. I watch football during football season and almost don't pay any attention to the NBA. I don't pay that much attention to college basketball because I'm spending so much time on football. But last night I watched a decent amount of college uh, basketball. I watched Tennessee upset Kentucky and uh, on the road to for the first time since 1999, I think. I watched Michigan State get out a tough win. When you look at the NCAA basketball futures, it seems like this is a totally wide-open year to me. When I say I haven't watched a ton of games, I definitely watch the scores and watch the highlights all the time. Is it crazy, or is this not a wide-open NCAA tournament year when it comes to even figuring out who the favorite is? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's wide open this year, and uh, I think there are about 20 teams here that are 33-1 to 1 
or or higher have have better odds than that. So it's just wide open. Michigan State's around five to one. Villanova's right there. Teams are just jammed all in there. So I think there's a, I think there's a lot of great value on this board. Teams like Xavier twenty eight to one. Uh, and Michigan fifty to one, they're a team that I wouldn't want to play. And uh, you know, West Virginia twenty eight to one. But I, I think it's one of those years where you could throw a dart at the board and, and come away with some good value. And a lot of times these odds will change based on the committee seedings because you don't know who's going to be a one seed, you don't know who their two will be, you don't know where those games will be played. The overall landscape of the college basketball picture changes substantially based on the seeding. Where we don't have any idea on the seeding right now, but they continue to collapse, is the Cavs. I know the Warriors are a, are a prohibitive favorite in the uh, in the NBA, but what beneath the Warriors is the movement looking like in terms of even who they might play in the finals and also what LeBron and the Cavs mean in terms of the odds market right now? It seems like I'm imagining that the Cavs are continuing to plummet based on their against the spread record and the fact that they've now fallen to fourth in the Eastern Conference if the season were to end today. Yeah, the, the Cavs aren't second favorite anymore. They're at eight to one, and they're behind the Rockets, who are seven to one. So, Rockets are the second favorite here behind the Warriors. Warriors are at minus two hundred. If you got them at the start of the season, you could have got them a little bit better than that, but. Uh, the Rockets are second favorite now. The Celtics are right behind at plus 950. And uh, the Cavs aren't just falling in the futures market. They're actually the worst bet we've ever seen in the NBA. They're 14-37-1 against the spread. They've only covered four of their last 25 games. This team just seems like a mess, like a mess and they're certainly a betting mess. Yeah, that's crazy to put into context how bad they've been against the spread. Is that a sign that they're just playing awful? Or is it more of a sign that they've just maybe been overvalued? How do you assess that when you see a team that bad against the number? I think they're just playing well below expectations. But the numbers aren't that crazy when you look at them. They were only favored by six and a half last night, and we're not looking at really big lines. I think they're just uh, they're just playing well below expectations. But they are inflated a little bit. Uh, the average better or recreational betters out there love to bet LeBron and the Cavs, so books know that, and they can inflate these guys a little bit. But these lines aren't that big. They're They're just not playing that well. You know, it, it, I saw you guys tweet out, and I know we talked about the NBA and we talked about uh, and we talked about college basketball here. But I saw that Nick Foles is a substantial favorite to return to the Eagles next year. I think it was like plus one twenty-five, and there were a bunch of other teams at five to one to potentially get him. That surprised me a little bit. But then I thought, you know, what that's probably telling us is that Carson Wentz's injury is significant enough. We don't even know necessarily, and maybe it's way too optimistic to believe he'll be back in September. Uh, For all the talk about where Nick Foles might go next, I think the odds-on favorite is the next place he'll be is starting under center for week one with the Eagles. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Carson Wentz, I, I don't know, he might have to fight for his job when Nick, when he comes back here. Nick Foles is the Super Bowl winning QB, played incredibly well. He's only played six games as the starter for the Eagles, and his two best ones were the last two he played. So uh, we've seen what happens sometimes when teams get rid of a, a good backup like the Patriots here. I think they're groaning, letting go of, of Jimmy G here. And uh, I think the Eagles would certainly love to have him back and it puts him in a real good spot next year. Awesome. Appreciate it all the time. John Campbell, go follow him at Johnny Oddshark. You can check out his uh, work at oddshark.com. Appreciate it, my man. 
Thanks a lot, Clay. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Uh, we were talking about my decision when I went to college, Jeff Schwartz, where I went to George Washington um, and took a scholarship there. And then at the last minute, I tried to go back to UVA, which was the other school that I was trying, considering the University of Virginia. And instead, they wouldn't let me back in because I'd already committed. They already filled up their allotments, everything else. Did you vacillate at all when you ended up at Oregon? Was there a time where you were like, oh, my God, I made the wrong decision? I know you talked to UCLA and that way that recruiting went. But when you committed to Oregon, oh, hello to your kids there. When you committed to Oregon, were you steadfast and like this is done for or did you waver? No, I was steadfast. I think because I, I, I waited so long, I waited till. I thought it was long to the end of December. I mean, now kids wait till the very end. Um, but you know, there was when I signed, there was no, uh, there was no uh, press conference and, and craziness. And we faxed, we still fax. It's incredible. They still fax things in over yes. now. Um, it, it's and why is that not a bigger story that a fax machine is really only kept around for college signing day? I tell you this I don't right now. Instance when a fax machine is ever used, I am driven insane. Just about. When somebody emails me something and they say, "Hey, can you just scan and and uh, and you know like scan, sign this, scan it, and send it back, or fax it out?" I'm like, Wait, I have no idea how to fax something. I have no idea how to sign and scan stuff." Like when I bought my most recent house, at least they're finally getting up with the technology and the age where you can e-sign. You know, like you yeah, get an email, you yeah, DocuSign. Like you can go yeah. in. It's infinitely better. Then, like, uh, people are like, oh, can you just sign and scan this? I'm like, no, I don't want to sign and scan it. I don't want to spend 45 minutes of my day, which is already insanely busy, trying to figure out how to find a fax machine, how to sign this thing, how to scan it, and everything else. So I want to e-sign everything. And to their credit, have you seen this on the iPhone now that you can, like, they have the ability to allow you to sign on your on your iPhone now? It's pretty cool. Like, and I don't even know. Um, it's one of the most more recent updates because I've started to finally be able to use that. Uh, but uh, my wife had to show me how to use it because, again, my technological knowledge, I always say, like, you're like me, too. You're not a tech guy either, Schwartz. Like, my answer for any time something stops working technologically, unplug it, unplug it and plug it back in. If that doesn't work, then my, I have no idea how to fix it. I have a super complicated system uh, in my house for TVs and entertainment and Whenever it just malfunctions, I just I just unplug it. The guy has told me like what to do, and I'm like, I yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I still have an iPhone six, so I don't know if I'm allowed to sign things on my phone. Oh yeah, I'm you, you're not. Getting, I'm working on getting a ten because look, at least Apple finally admitted that they slowed down the phone. Oh, my it's phone infuriating. Is, it's atrocious. It, it doesn't even like it will just stop working in the middle of the day. You can't text anybody. It will it will send emails. Like it will open up apps and just send. It, one time it sent an email without me finishing. It just sent it like sent twice in a row. Just sent the email away <laughs> to the recipient without me touching send. Um, it's a disaster. But no, colleges. I never waver because I went to Oregon at the very end of the whole experience. I, you know, I've shared my story with UCLA before, um, and so I knew I wasn't going there. I knew I wasn't going to Stanford because I didn't get in. And you know, Oregon was kind of left. I didn't really have a backup plan. I felt good about Oregon the entire time. Um, and look, I think once you make your commitment, um, you know, I don't know how you can back out of it. I guess you can if you're if you haven't signed yet. And well, I could have. Yes, I didn't think I think about it. What about free agency? Did you ever come close to accepting a deal before you had signed it, and or did you ever back out at the last minute, thinking like, oh, I'm going to do this? 
And then at the last minute, you're like, no, 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 I'm actually going to go the here. I mean, because that's almost similar in some ways to college. Uh, no. I mean, when I signed with the Giants, I pretty much knew that was done uh, before I got there because we had that tampering period. So, uh, you know, I actually – I don't know if I told the story. So, the, I, the morning I got married was – well, the day I got married was the first day of that t- new tampering window. So, it, it, I was at my and Hold on. For and, people out there who may not understand, like – the tampering window is before free agency starts, but you're allowed to basically negotiate with teams you yes. just can't sign. Le- legally, because you used to just yes. do it. You used to just do it anyways, and it wasn't yes. legal. So, so now there's a 72 hour window. So, free agency is 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 a Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, you know, like third Tuesday in March, second Tuesday in March. I think it's the 14th this year, so right in the middle of the month. So then Saturday at at 12 noon. You can, Eastern time, you can start the, the tampering period. So I got married on that Saturday, March 8th in 2014 uh, at 5.30 Eastern, <laughs> I mean 5.30 p.m. So <clears throat> I'm out on the West Coast at my parents' house. We're having a party uh, for all the out-of-towners, and me, my agent, my dad, and my brother go in a different room at 9 a.m. Pacific and just start fielding calls from like eight teams about my agency. Um, and we basically agreed to, to sort of a contract with the Giants um, later that night after my wedding, my agent was the first person I found after my wedding. And he yeah. just said, we're good. He said, we're good. I said, all right. I just continued on my night. Meredith, my wife, had no idea that we just signed basically a contract for millions of dollars um, the night of my wedding. <laughs> so, that's a great wedding present for your wife. Here's a question. Um, how much difference was there in the bidding? So you said you, you hear from eight different teams. Are they all remotely close? Well, I mean, I'm always kind of curious on that. Like, if you have eight bidders, there are obviously people who are going to have eight different opinions of you on market value. Were they all substantially different? Like, were the Giants way more? How did that work out? Do you even remember? Yeah, I, I had a contract from a different team that was basically the exact same number as the Giants, just structured differently. Um, and pretty much anyone else was not close, or we didn't we didn't really get to that point with them. I mean, I made a list, kind of like a, a lot of pros and cons, but where I ranked teams. And look, I'll... I'll give you an example. I had Oakland called. I had them at the bottom because of the state tax. I mean, like they, I said, they have to pay me more than than another team. And I, look, I went to Jersey. I mean, it's not. It's about three and a half percent different, but still. I mean, you know, thirteen percent state tax in California. Oh, I got, is a lot. I got murdered and, when and, I worked yeah, at Fox and, Sports uh, and would travel yeah. out to L.A. The thirteen percent state and local income tax was brutal because I live in Tennessee. Which it was funny, like when I would appear on camera, I would get paid and they wouldn't take my tax out because obviously I'm appearing in Tennessee. But when I would travel all the way to uh, to L.A., I would lose money to appear in person because the tax rates were so much higher in California. Yeah, and and, and that's a good point. I don't think people realize that we get taxed in every state we play in. So yes. you know, during a typical season, I you know my CPA is filing in ten states. Right. <laughs> It's a lot of work. Uh, some years, some years, you know, if you play in, in, in you know, play in Nashville, you play in Florida, or you play in Texas, you know, obviously the, the paperwork is a little different. But um, I mean, there were there were some that were really bad. I mean, look, the Chiefs. I, I would have loved to stay. They had no cap room whatsoever. They offered me like two million dollars. I mean, that's I, I ended up getting sixteen point eight from the Giants. I mean, so there's some teams that were were in different ballparks. Um, you know, teams valued you differently. Teams had different cap space. And two, this is kind of when the cap was rebooting itself so there wasn't as much spending as there is now i mean if i was a free agent now a guard i'd be making a double at least double what my contract was per year 
Um, you know, that's just what four years removed. Just you know, salaries have gone way up, the cap's gone way up, and guys are making more money. All right, let's talk about the Super Bowl for a minute. Uh, if you were, and, and I'm going to give you a hypothetical, because I think Nick Foles is going to be back with the Eagles because I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be healthy enough to start in September. But let me give you this hypothetical. If you were the GM right now of the Browns, of the Jags, of the Jets, of the Arizona Cardinals, of the Denver Broncos, of the Buffalo Bills, that's six different teams that I think should be in some way in the quarterback market. Would you give up a second-round pick for Nick Foles if that option was on the table? Um, I think the only team that, w- that should do it, if, uh, those are, are Jacksonville, because I think we've seen when Foles had a good offensive line, which is both his stays in Philly, when he's had a defense, uh, both his stays in Philly, when he's had a run game, both his season in Philly, he's able to succeed. I think you, you, it's, been, it's been pretty well documented now that you have to have an offense like the Eagles did. Look, they went back. Uh, during their bye week um, in the wild card round and watched all of his film uh, uh, with Chip Kelly. And I actually wrote about this idea before this was basically said out loud, is that you need to go back and watch what he did well with Chip, which is a lot of the RPO stuff, which Collinsworth has still no idea what is an RPO and what is not. Um, <laughs> and, and, look, I mean, I watched the first half of the, of, of the game yesterday. The Eagles ran, like, four RPOs, but every play was labeled an RPO. It was, it was remarkable. Um, and... Um, and so you have to tailor an offense to that. And so I think Jacksonville probably has the, the most flexibility in offense to do what they want. Um, they ran a bunch of that RPO-type stuff against New England in the playoff game. But if, if, you know, if you're the Browns and you're not committed to doing some of that stuff, which Hugh Jackson really has not done, um, you know, if you're Buffalo, you've done a, maybe a little bit with, with Tyrod Taylor, but the offensive line is not as good as anywhere else. Your defense is not as good. Um, I... I before the Super Bowl, I would have said there's no way someone trades for Nick Foles. Uh, now I think a team who, who will not have a quarterback will might make a pass at him. But if you're Philly, like you said, I do not trade Nick Foles for anything. I mean, maybe the Browns will offer you the first and the fourth, and I think you have to do it. But otherwise, there's no reason to trade him. You have him under a great contract for next season as a backup quarterback. You mentioned Wentz. He might not be ready. This also allows you maybe an extra month to, to not play – to not play Wentz and, 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 and make sure he's 100% healthy. Uh, you saw how, how valuable it was for you to have a competent backup. I mean, you won a Super Bowl with a backup. So I don't see any reason why the Eagles would want to move him. Um, they're at a place now where they, they don't need the draft picks. I mean, they have uh, some holes to fill, but not many. Um, they're still a good football team and, and you know, heading in next year. I, I see no reason whatsoever the Eagles would trade Nick Foles. What do you think happened? We're talking to Jeff Schwartz, NFL uh, eight-year veteran on the offensive line. He joins us every single Wednesday in this hour. Jeff, what do you think about the decision made uh, with Malcolm Butler? What do you think actually happened there? I'm so confused. Uh, Normally someone leaks out something by now, but Belichick said it's football decisions. Butler put out a statement yesterday saying it's football decisions. Now, Butler's going to be a free agent, so it's possible he said that, obviously, to to um, to you know carry favor with teams and, and make sure it's not his fault. I, it's hard for me to imagine Bill Belichick being this petty um, and just deciding to, to not play Butler for football reasons when he's been your starter all season long. Um, but a couple, you know, a couple things make me think that maybe this is the real story. One of them is that Roe, the who started. Um, he, he took all the reps with the ones all week. 
And, you know, people ask me, well, why why would, you know, Butler not know he's not starting? I, I think Belichick does that often. I think he screws with guys, motivates them by putting them in different spots in practice. And then eventually by Sunday, you're back starting again. And I don't think that – I think they just assume both that Rowe and Butler just assume they would just go back to their normal roles on Sunday and, and, and you know, like, like, like Belichick always does. And then obviously it didn't happen. And two is – why would they keep him active and if they were planning on not playing him at all? I mean, that's the pettiest thing of, of all time. If it really Belichick was not going to play him and then just made him active, I mean, make him inactive. So I thought maybe there was a chance he gets in the second half, especially the way they, they were being torched by Nick Foles. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get the real story. I think some of it is probably a little bit much. You know, if he does, if he did get arrested for marijuana in Minneapolis, people would know about it. I mean, there'd be a police report about it unless they just, you know, obviously called the Patriots and said, here's your guy. I mean, I feel like that's, that would have been reported about guys scan, um, you know, the, 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 the daily jail logs. They, they find this stuff out pretty quickly. Um, you know, did he miss a, a curfew possibly, but still the, the punishment for missing a curfew is what a, a, a quarter maybe in the Super Bowl. Maybe it's a, it's a play. I mean, I, I don't understand how this happened, but look, I think there's a lot of dysfunction in New England right now, and this is just another part of it. What do you think happened with Josh McDaniels? Why did he accept <laughs> the job, obviously get it announced with the Colts to the extent, like hire at least three different coaches on his staff, and then suddenly decide, you know what, I'm not going to go. I gave early in the show two different ideas that made sense to me. One he was given some kind of indication, if not a guarantee, that he's going to be the guy to take over for Bill Belichick whenever Belichick decides that he doesn't want to coach anymore. And two, maybe this is further indication that Andrew Luck's health remains even more in flux, perhaps, than we would have anticipated as we come up on the 2018 uh, offseason. Well, there's a combination of both. I also think it's kind of a punk move. I mean, you you had two weeks to figure this out if you're Joshua Daniels and the Patriots. I mean, you, you could have talked to Josh any time over the right. last three, four weeks and said, hey, man, we want you to stay. Uh, maybe they just didn't assume he's going to take the job. And, and that now, obviously, you know, he's got these coaches that have signed contracts with the Colts whose families now have to move, who might have to play under a new coach who could fire them after a year. Um, and, look, I think it's a combination of both. I think mean, they probably told him, look, Belichick has one year left or he's going to retire this year. You get the job next. Um, and I think there's more reports I heard saw last night today that Luck's shoulder, you know, might not be as good as we thought. You know, I, I never thought Luck could end his career with this. I mean, it seems like it's it's he could have surgery again and maybe miss the entire season again. Um, and maybe he got cold feet on that. But I feel like Josh should have known that if he was going to be the G, if he's going to be the coach, he's had two weeks to figure it out. I mean, look, he could have finished his work with the Patriots at 10 p.m. one night and just called over. Chris Ballard, the, the Colts GM, and said, hey, how's Andrew Luck doing? Or he could have called the doctor. I mean, he could have, there's so many opportunities for him to make this right before he ends up leaving the Colts in the dark. And uh, the best part, man, you, you, you need to go and read um, the, the two main beat writers for the Colts. They, they destroyed Joshua Daniels uh, in two articles last night. Like, I don't think I've ever seen writers get after a potential head coach. Or really, I mean, he was a head coach, I guess, for a day like these two did. It's fantastic. We'll definitely check that out. Jeff Schwartz, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate the time, my man. Yep, take care. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.